When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood. For BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich to celebrate the 150th anniversary of BF Goodrich. Get up to $150 cash back when you purchase four or more passenger or SUV tyres. One of Victoria's most prominent recreational anglers, Aaron Hapgood, joins me as always. Good morning, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. Uh, how are you? I can see a nice scratch on the forehead uh, just above the eyebrow. I think it's on your left side looking through the, uh, the FaceTime screen this morning. Yeah, a couple of little scratches. Um, that's what happens when you when you fight a shark, Redmond. You might just you might just come off a little worse. Aware. That being said, you should see the shark. Um, now I'm uh, I'm looking at my hotel bedroom at the moment, and as the sort of last three months have been, beautiful weather up here in the Gold Coast. People are able to fish, do their thing. When it comes to fishing in Victoria, it's been a mightily confusing few days down the coast and i must admit a huge shout out to our um our police our vic police for handling things the way they have when there's been a fair bit of gray around what you can and can't do when it comes to fishing and the five kilometer radius that you can and can't fish because it's it's been really difficult for fishers out there as well it was it's been one of the most confusing weeks in the fishing world that i've been involved in for quite a period of time now the rule in itself, which I don't care, I'm saying it, I think it's stupid that you're... What, 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 so basically what's been allowed is you're allowed to travel five kilometres from your house to go fishing, but if you launch the boat and you live 4.8 kilometres from the ramp, you can't go more than 200 metres from that ramp. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to catch COVID 200 metres from the ramp or whatnot. This is, it's, it's actually beyond ridiculous. I'm really hoping that a few it changes for the next couple of weeks leading to the 19th of October, which is where Victoria reevaluates its situation, I guess you could say. But It's D-Day. It's D-Day, basically. Oh, mate, I'm, I, I'm regional Victoria, and at the start, Pat, it was like, cool, Melbourne guys, haha, you can't come fishing down here, like a bit of a joke between us, and like a week in, he's like, oh, I'm starting to feel sorry for you, and I don't know how long it's been now. I literally am in, like, I don't, I feel so sorry for the guy. Like, I, I'm, I apologise my post, but I need to make, I need to make some money with work for the regional guys. But I, I feel for you guys times ten thousand. I've been trying to do my best to help you guys as much as I can, uh, with trying to get anything lifted as much as possible because it's getting stupid. You're allowed to travel, like I said, Pat. Say you live 2Ks from the ramp, then you can go 3Ks offshore. And I know a few guys 
launched during the week and had dramas with the police sending them in because the DHHS website hadn't updated when we got the emails from the BIA saying that they've changed it now and the coppers did a great job. I've got a lot of mates that are water cops and they were just so confused because they didn't get the email so they were trying to stick by the rules and regs and it was very, very hard and a tough week for uh, for anyone patrolling the waterways. But good thing is it got it got clarified by before the end of the week. So if the weekend's looking beautiful, Pat, today is beautiful down here in Victoria and Sunday. So if you can get out, I really hope you can get out and catch a few fish um, as soon as possible. Speaking of catching a few fish, the secrets of monster squid you posted during the week, some of the biggest calamari you're likely to see, and you also bagged that on whiting. Talk us through it, because it's certainly something that people are keen to get to cash in on. Yeah, I had a ripper talk Wednesday night uh, regarding big calamari, and that, that day, that exact day, was when I got probably the biggest squid I've got for the season, as in consistent, well, consistent wise. We ended up with over half a dozen squid, with tubes over 60 centimetres. Not 50, 60 centimetres. Probably another half a dozen just over 50 and a few around that 40s. They are monster, monster squid. And they are so much fun. We're fishing quite deep around that 12 metres. Uh, so different techniques. And if you do want to listen to any of our previous shows, head to the Real Adventures app. You'll find everything there. I've done a whole squid show. In this first segment that we're in now, if you head to it, have a listen. We cover all things squid regarding sunnies, tides, baits, jigs, and a few other tips and tricks along the way. So that's the Real Adventures app. It is for free on your phone or tablet or any smart object or item that you have. You're sure you'll be able to find it. But the, the trick and the secret to them, the big ones, I've got a couple of good ones on artificials, but it comes back to what I spoke about, the using your baited your baited jigs, Pat, so your spike jigs. So get your metal skewer, we'll call it, with the prongs at the end, and putting, I was running Tommy Ruffs, uh, which sort of look like salmon. They're not salmon. There's no legal size limit on them. And I'd previously... Fresh Tommy Ruffs or... Yeah, well, they were just probably a couple of days old, Pat. Yeah, a couple of days. So I caught whiting during early in the week in that rougher weather. And then Wednesday was beautiful, calm and still and then all of a sudden we ended up with about 40 mil of rain that afternoon which was literally insane but the fishing's very good very very good it's really starting to heat up the bay's nearly 15 degrees already pat some beautiful snapper reports coming out of sort of that bottom of top of mount martha towards i guess bottom of mornington that sort of area there's been some really good reports chris Cassa obviously teamed up with us at salt guide in his report last week he popped up a couple of areas for guys to check out and some beautiful fish were caught uh clifton springs is really starting to heat up a few guys have been having when i say catching bigger snapper consistency so you might go out 10 times and catch two big snapper, but I'm talking the consistency is coming in now. So you're getting a lot of consistency in the bite time, so you can pick when they're going to bite, but also the size is really good too, like three kilo right up to six kilo, and like I said, regular fish. So that's really good to start seeing. Um, they, they say a few fish up at Black Rock as well. It's very hard to pinpoint where the fish are to due to the Melbourne restrictions. So quite often the charter guys are fishing out of Caram or Altona and the likes and you can sort of talk to a few people and get get an idea of where fish are but there's a lot of water to cover and without people on the water it's obviously harder to do so only hopefully a couple more weeks till the Melbourne guys are back and we'll get a real big idea where the majority of the school of fish are but offshore I still haven't had a bloody day to get out there the only day I think was last <laughs> Tuesday and you, uh, last Tuesday and you and I ended up having a meeting that morning so you stuffed me up there but other than that we um, haven't had a day to get offshore to chase the snapper I honestly haven't between the wind and the swell pat 
it has been incredible. And then that's why the whiting's been so good. The whiting fishing's been fantastic. So during the week, Pat, we're going to talk a little bit about the trout getting released in Metro. I'm going to get you to cover that in a second. But Barry Sullivan, good friend of the show, he has landed some beautiful trout the past three days, or even might have been four days, uh, up at Millbrook Lakes. So uh, I think they're brown trout. What are the, is, he, is there any chance there's rainbows in there too, Pat? I've seen definitely brown trout in his photos. No, nah, there's a mixture. They've got brown and rainbows. And obviously, if you're in um, rural Victoria, you're able to travel at the moment. So it's a great place to go and stay up at Millbrook Lakes because there's no one that's been fishing there. So um, it's not like how it usually is there's a fair bit of not a not a huge amount of fishing pressure on it um, because it's privately stocked um, but there is people that that fish it often versus how it is now um, you know it's well worth fishing I think it's also really important to note for um, for those that love trout fishing uh, the Vic Fisheries Authority um, are about to release rainbow trout for their Metro family fun run um, and it's listed as their Stonker Rainbow release, and these are absolutely massive. So this will be a huge bolster. Four kilo, Pat, each. Four kilo. They're, they're big trout. Exactly. Yep. So this is, um, it's all part of the, the Target 1 million yep. plan. Um, so the, the government's $35 million um, injection into this, all our license fees, all those sorts of things going um, towards sort of promoting this and, um, and paying for it. And if you look on their um, Facebook pages, they are absolutely massive fish. So it's a great opportunity um, to get down uh, and catch some huge trout. The release uh, starts this weekend and will be completed by Wednesday, October 14. So if you're interested in getting your families uh, out there, it's a really great time. Um, And without going through absolutely every one of them, Albert Park Lake, Lilydale Lake, um, Garfield Lake, Hackenham Lake, um, you can go through all of the um, the different lake releases that they are on the, the Vic Fisheries website. And there is a bag limit of five trout um, for the, the lakes. And I'd really encourage people to go out there, catch a fish, take one or two, but then put the rest back so Somewhere. other people can actually get out there and really enjoy it. Um, but it's a great opportunity to, to get your family out into fishing, you know, within that um, restricted zone, Red. Yeah, you're spot on. And uh, like you said before, stick to your rules and regs and make it fun for everyone else. Patrick, I don't know if you've seen uh, during the week. I actually sent you the screenshot, so you would have seen it. The seal that was in the paddock in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Oh, my God. It was as random as you can possibly imagine. Like literally (laughs) in the middle of nowhere. So that... um, Babe, Babe the sheep pig. It was the valley, so it's Air Valley uh, of floods after heavy rain. And the seal made its way up the river to the paddock, and it was literally sitting amongst the sheep and cows. So, uh, so it was. I, so I, I drive through this area, Redmond, like often when we go down and um, we go with Dad and the cousins and surf down at sort of Joanna and um, you know that sort of region through the Otways, and it would have just been the most bizarre thing to spot this and it was a decent size first here oh, it was huge in the middle of their valley because <laughs> he's eaten yeah, was. 40 was my it? snapper over the past 10 years <laughs> no it had eaten actually 40 of the cows that were well, sitting in the paddock imagine the sheep, seeing a sorry. cow and a sheep go, a cow and a seal going at it <laughs> I know something uh, that caught your um, caught you caught your eyes during the week uh, a lamb based mako shark absolutely 
But uh, Sean yep. hit the pinnacle of land-based shark fishing this weekend, which was last weekend, as I read this. One of the most desired species of mako shark and a massive size. It'd have to be, I'm looking at the photo now, it'd have to be over a, well over 100 kilo. So Addy's a beast of a fish, land-based, surf fishing. Pat, I know it's something you and I do want to do a little bit of, and you're going to actually review a product for us, to, which assists to it, uh, which is a drone. You're going, to re- you're going to review one and talk us through a bit later on on the styles and types that you can get and use. But land-based shark fishing, does it have an interest for you? Absolutely. The, the biggest challenge I've always faced is I've had to paddle out with a surfboard to drop my bait out there. <laughs> like, you know, if you're fishing with a few mates off the beach, it's whoever draws the shorter straw. Yep. He's got to paddle out with the board so you can get your bait past <laughs> the breakers because otherwise otherwise it's really challenging. And, and we've always found whenever it's sort of dad and I and the cousins have, have fish for them, it's obviously, you know, early hours of the morning – most of the time we'll fish really late afternoon so you're paddling out sort of 5 6 <laughs> o'clock and when it's when it isn't daylight savings it's getting dark so you drop the bait which you know typically for us it's been sort of a whole salmon at the end of a um at the at the end of a balloon and then you paddle in as quick as you can before old noah just starts chomping on your leg <laughs> <laughs> well a good place to go shark fishing uh 90 mile beach pat is the place to go on the other side of lakes entrance down there if you want a big shark whether it's a monster monster bronzy and don't get me wrong along the local surf beaches as into us pat like you uh, you around your port Phillip bay heads right up to portland and the likes you're going to see uh bronzies and the, the odd hammerheads makos and i even know i know it's not legal but i know of accidental captures of juvenile great whites too so like 90 mile beach is the place that you want to go um, like you said, big baits, you need to have the right gear, big 50 wides or 80 wides even, filled with line, make sure it's filled with line, you need to have a stupid mate with you that will paddle the thing out, paddle the bait out like you said, Pat, and also something else, uh, I reckon looking at the way these guys grab and pull these sharks around on the beach, I reckon that you should probably take a tail rope. I don't know if these guys do. That when I say these guys, there are specific fishermen in this country that just land-based shark fish, which is pretty cool. And I reckon 90-plus percent of them release their sharks. They all do, which is great to see. Uh, putting a tail rope on them instead of maybe dragging it out by your hand. And I know sharks can't... Te- or most sharks can't tend to bite their tails, but there are some that can. So a seven-gill shark can turn on themselves really, really rapidly. Wobbegongs can do that, which you will catch off the beach here and there. And I've caught a few along our surf coast here. And you've got a few others like the swell sharks and a couple of other sharks. But I don't know about grabbing a 150-kilo mako on the sand pat and dragging it waist deep to help get it out. Here's a good idea. Your thoughts on that? <laughs> I think people forget that, that don't shark fish often or ever, and they go down to do it when they first catch one and they actually touch the skin of a shark, it's sandpaper itself. They're not smooth. Like, you get you get shocking sand burn, oh, from, burn. The, from the skin of a shark itself. So, um, yeah, all, all fun things, that's for sure. Uh, we've got a huge episode of Real Adventures coming your way. Up next, we have The Social Club. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodridge. And don't forget to download the new Real Adventures app. It has all our latest podcasts, fishing news, tips, and recipes. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years. Well, 
Welcome back to Real Adventures for BF Goodridge, celebrating 150 years. It's time for the Social Club. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you shoot it into our Real Adventures social media pages on Facebook and Instagram, or of course, our Real Adventures app, which is free to download wherever you get your apps from, the App Store or Google Play, I think it is as. Uh, First question for you, old boy. And this is from Tom. Floating bait versus a sinking bait when fishing for snapper. What's the difference and when would I use a floating bait? Yeah, good good question, Tom. But it, it, this comes down to uh, the conditions and what style of fishing, I guess, you're going to be doing. So tidal's a big influence and wind. So if we're fishing, say, for example, in the middle of Western Port Bay, we're not going to be fishing the snapper, the methods that we're going to use in Port Phillip with floating baits. So we're going to have weighted baits in port, in Western Port as such with snapper running nice big squid rings and which holds the bottom and it also sits where the fish are, which is the bottom. So you want to keep your baits where whatever species that you're targeting, you want to keep your baits where they feed in and for snapper as such, which is on the bottom. We're in Port Phillip Bay, we don't have that tidal influence anywhere near as much. So. Casting your floating baits out is a fantastic way to catch more fish than what it is by having heavy weighted baits down there. Now, offshore, Pat, when I'm chasing a snapper, for instance, or a, we'll go snapper, um, the baits that I run when I'm out there are completely different. I'm fishing in 30 to 50 metres of water, so I'm using four-ounce sinkers to keep my bait down where they are. But at the back of the boat, I always have a floating bait out the back as if I was targeting or fishing snapper in the bay. So what I'm trying to say is tidal areas, you're going to need the sinkers. Uh, like, for example, whiting, Pat, we're not going to go whiting fishing and use uh, a floating bait there because it's not going to float down with that strong tide at Queenscliff. It's not going to get down there. You want to have it on a sinker on a nice leader and cast it out and it will be in the position. When you're chasing uh, tuna, Pat, like this year, so we had Simon Rinaldi on a little while ago, and you're going to hit a floating bait as such, or a pilchard. You throw a pilchard bait over the side on a hook, and that floats down through the bait ball nicely. Well, you're not going to run that on a heavy weight because it's not going to float naturally. So, Tom, I hope that explains a little bit on the different styles of fishing, as well as when and where to use floating versus sinking sinking bait, uh, heavy sinking baits. Next question is for you, Dangerfield, from Graham. I bought a 5.8 meter boat. Should I do a should I go a dual or single axle trailer? And why? Uh, I reckon for me, it all comes down to if you're going to do long trips with it, I'd probably go a dual axle. If you're only a few k's in the boat ramp, you can save yourself some money and only go the single axle. Depends on like a 5.8 meter boat. It's obviously going to be like a dare say a runabout or a or a lightweight half cab, um, and most likely an alloy boat. Boat so. I think if you can afford it, I'd go the dual axle, but if you're only close to your boat ramp, you don't plan on doing a huge amount of travel, then you can probably get away with a, a single axle trailer. Edmund, what are your thoughts? Oh, just the first thing that comes to my mind is you've uh, you've got backup with a dual axle. Uh, bearings can go at times and pop tires, tires and the likes, and I know you like to change them, but uh, you like to change them as soon as the incident happens, but you've always... If a bearing goes, you feel a bit more confident having that other wheel as backup in your own head. Uh, like you said before, it comes down to your, your size of your boat as well and what style it is, whether it's the aluminium or fiberglass. Uh, I'd be going, if possible, for a 5.8, so we'll say around that 6-metre mark, I'd probably be definitely going uh, a dual axle trailer. And I've just ordered a 6-metre uh, north bank, as we all know, and I've gone a dual axle uh, easy tow trailer. So 
that's what I'd be doing. You'd be nearly three axles on your thing, wouldn't you, Pat? No, not tried. Still, still dual, still dual. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it comes back to cost for a lot of people, and I, and I totally get that. You know, if 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 you can get away with it, perhaps it's better. But yeah, peace of mind, as you said. Uh, Lionel has our final question. Aaron, you've been targeting whiting squid and gummies of late. Why haven't you been chasing snapper? Well, you have. You did a few weeks ago. You, well, <laughs> you caught some nice snapper. I got a nice snapper, a couple of few nice snapper offshore. Yeah, a little while ago, and. Basically, that sums up my answer is I haven't been able to get offshore for snapper. And you've got to remember, Lionel, is I fish uh, to catch fish as such. Rather than going out and spending time catching nothing or catching one fish, I, I fish for a business. I have people that rely on me regarding salt guide. So I'm fishing to catch fish. So instead of going out there and spending two days to catch one snapper, in my two days, I'll try and bag out on whiting, try and find where the squid are sitting, and as well in different areas as well, not just in one spot. So if I get my whiting, 20 or so whiting in one spot, I'll deliberately move to another spot to try and just find whiting. And then in the end, I'll release because I need to know where they are. And offshore, the gummies as well. Like I know roughly it all comes down to your tide and your depth you're going to sit in with your conditions. So it just comes down to um, being time relevant, as in not wasting time on the water. I want to be, rather than fishing, I want to be catching. And I try and get that as much as possible on the catching side rather than the fishing side. And it... uh. Yeah, it can be it can be a little bit hit and miss at times, but I like to say eighty-five to ninety percent of the time we do get to catch what we want. Not get always the numbers, but we always try and get close to our targeted species. And another key factor, Lionel, is that temperature being only oh, fourteen degrees, say bottom end a little bit warmer. But it, once it gets up a bit, I'll start when they become that little bit more consistent. Is when I will uh, I will try and um, I'll try and hit them up a little bit more. I'm going to squeeze one more question in for you. Uh, for, for the listeners, Pat. Frank, danger. Has your old man been fishing the Otways for trout lately? Is there a few biting? Sorry, mate, I had to squeeze it in. I had it last week too. Uh, no, he hasn't actually. He'd been probably maybe three weeks ago. He, he, he's gotten into his, his fly fishing. We used to fish with Salters a fair bit down there, but he's very much into his fly fishing at the moment, but he hasn't had the, uh, the chance to get down there. But certainly um, I wouldn't fish there this weekend because – by reports, there's going to be a fair bit of water. It generally takes a couple of days for those for that sort of water system to calm down. You don't want to fish it after it, you know, there's been 40 or 50 mil. So give it two or three days, and then certainly after that, I'd be I'd be going for it. That wraps up our social club. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you shoot it into our Real Adventures social media pages or download our app that is free from the App Store. It's now time for our dream boating destination, and it's a little bit of a different. Uh, feel this week with our dream boating destination. Vic Fisheries uh, have stocked um, 18 metropolitan family fishing lakes um, with over 500 stonker rainbow trout. So stonker being four kilo plus rainbow trout, all helping to bolster recreational fishing um, and especially at a time like the, this for, for most Victorians when they can't get out and about and we've got the restrictions with the, the 5K radius from home, um, these stockings are certainly um, well regarded. And it's not a bad time because Vic Fisheries do a, a, a huge and important job within fishing in Victoria, but it's just great to see. So there's 18 different lakes. The one that we're going to focus on today is Albert Park Lake. And you might think to yourself, Albert Park, it's in the middle of Melbourne. Surely that, that can't be a, a great place to fish, but you would be wrong. It's one of 
the the heavily stocked fisheries um, and lakes in Victoria, simply because of how easy it is to access. Um, but certainly, if you're living in metropolitan Melbourne, then there's some great fishing right at your doorstep. Whether it be Rainbow Trout or Yellow Valley, um, it's a it's a bit of a hidden gem. It, it's a bit of a hidden gem, isn't it, Aaron? Yeah, a big perch, like fifty plus centimeter perch, like. That's their big perch, and they would pull in there like no tomorrow because the food stock is crazy in there. Another species which isn't as sought after as such, well, they can be when you're desperate, is carp pat. You've got two different species of carp in there as well, which you can go in there, and they're great for the kids to catch. Yes, they're a pest, and you've got to keep, keep them out of the waters and whatnot, but I'll be honest with you, if you're catching nothing, carp is definitely a lot better than what it is uh, catching absolutely nothing. And like you said, they pull bloody a lot of line at times, Carp, especially if you're running some nice light gear in there. So prime times that I've uh, been told over the years is definitely that November onwards, that little bit warmer months. And fishing that sunrise, sunset, those prime times is definitely the best times to set up and fish Albert Park. But different place, uh, dream boating destination, Pat. I don't know if you're allowed to have a boat in there. Do you let, do you let take canoes in there? Uh, I think you're allowed to take canoes, but certainly you've got to watch for, uh, you know, joggers and mums in their active wear, <laughs> having coffees, that sort of Melbourne uh, cosmopolitan lifestyle. But, yeah, that's there. Uh, but if you want more information on the 18 stock lakes around Victoria, make sure you visit uh, the Vic Fisheries website, uh, and they've got all the information with regards to the numbers of stocked fish uh, that are happening uh, as we speak. So Albert Park, our dream boating destination. That being said, lakes right across Victoria are being stocked by Vic Fisheries with four plus kilo rainbow trout, which is great to see. Plenty more Real Adventures coming to you right after the break. This is Real Adventures for BF Goodridge. On Real Adventures, it's time to get all aboard for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. Welcome back to the show, and it is now time for All Aboard. For Dometic, take control of your outdoor adventures like never before with the Dometic CFX3. And on the line, we've been using the rewinds for the past uh, past couple of months while Pat's been on the Gold Coast, but I thought I'd get an update from the Southwest Victoria, and the man himself, Dan Mackerel, pro angler for Frogleys Offshore, joins us on the line. Good morning, Dan. Hey, guys. How's things, mate? Going not too bad. You've obviously got a little one like myself. How's, uh, how's dad life? Yeah, no, it's always good, presenting uh, new challenges all the time, but pretty awesome as they uh, grow up, as you know. Yeah, well, um, how, how old your little fella? Uh, he's two and a half now. So two and a half. I've got a bit of catching up to do there. trying to get back into some daylight savings time. So. You still finding uh, time to get out for a fish on the water? I see a couple of posts on Instagram. Yeah, thankfully, mate. I think we're sort of fairly blessed here in regional Victoria to be able to still get out and do something, so... Sort of do feel a bit guilty with the guys all stuck on stage four, so hopefully they can get some good news shortly and get a bit of fresh air and mental health organised as well so they can get back on the water. Yeah, we all definitely feel for them, but the main point you just said, Dan, for the guys that are in regional, regional Victoria is now open. You can travel, uh, obviously stick to the rules and regulations from wherever you're going, but regional Victoria is fishing very, very well. I know the rain's going to have a bit of impact. We're going to talk about what to target down the southwest part of Victoria in a couple of minutes but last week or the week before Dan I was actually going to get you on last week so it must have been the week before you were out doing the uh, the estuary uh, estuary perch uh, perch search I think you call it yeah so it's been running for about uh, 10 or 11 years now so we'll sort of go out and um, catch some estuary perch for, um, over two or three days and they'll fly a plane down 
on the Sunday, flying back up in the room and using them for fruit stock, which is all part of their Target 1 million where they're restocking and putting them in the new lakes around, all around Victoria. So it's a pretty cool little project and it's yeah, great fun to be a part of. You obviously get a bit of bycatch if you do follow Dan Mackerel Fishing on Instagram. Uh, you managed to land uh, a little a little mulloway the other week. <laughs> Take us through the size yeah. of it and what it took. We were just chasing the entry perch. We were sort of fishing a, a narrow little river street section there. At the, um, there's a reef in about four and a half metres of water and the perch had been sitting about three metres so we just started twitching little deep diving jerk baits that run to about two and a half, three metres and we've been catching quite a few estuary perch and then uh, yeah, sort of out of the blue, metre plus mulloway jumped on, just using six pound leader so it <laughs> took us away from chasing perch for a while we chased that thing up and down the river and was lucky enough to land it so it was probably a, a PB jewy for weight to me, probably just over 25 pounds, so beautiful fish. That's a big fish on six pound leader and Jewfish have obviously got quite big teeth. Uh, how? How? <laughs> yeah, well, lucky enough. Generally, when you're using the bigger hard bodies, they sort of um, they bump it pretty hard first before they eat it. So I was lucky enough. This one gave it a really good nudge and was pinned just on the nose. So um, obviously didn't have the leader down its throat, so there was no chance of it rasping. So um, with fight time was probably about 10, 10, 15 minutes, I think. And you sort of just knock them over and. The, uh, the sharp teeth certainly got me on the, on the release. We tried to do the right thing and just holding the, the lip grip, just cruising around the electric motor for about 10 minutes trying to get some some oxygen back into it. And uh, it came to life after a bit, a couple of big head shakes and tore my thumb well until it opened. <laughs> so that was handy. How long did you actually fight it for? Uh, it would have been just over 10 minutes, yeah. So Fair fight. A couple of really big runs at the start that knocked him over pretty quick. So What about the uh, trout fishing, Dan? You've, uh, I know rain, because oh, I've been – wanting to get up with you and I did message you the other week saying that I'm pretty much ready to go and you you did say let the rain pass and the and, and whatnot. We'll talk about the conditions you do want for the next few weeks, but in the past month or so, where have you been fishing? What have you been using? And the the trout size you've been catching have been enormous. Yeah, so we're pretty blessed down here in southwest Victoria with the, the Crater Lake. So you can sort of they're a year round fishery but obviously in the cooler months the uh, the fish sort of push in push up into the shallows and they're a bit more targetable around the margin. So um, my preferred method of that is just to, just to cruise around on the electric motor, just casting um, shallow diving minnows. So for me, the little Bastain Mogul minnow, which is probably the heaviest little minnow for its size, so you can cast it a hell of a long way. I suppose just having a bigger boat as well, we sort of go and target the, the rougher water as well. So the fish generally in that sort of water are a little bit more uh, aggressive, less shy, so uh, it generally helps out with the catch rate, I suppose. So you go and fish where most people aren't. So you're actually doing the opposite of what most anglers are doing. You're actually looking for wind reports that have wind in it. Correct. Yeah, I'm sort of anything with sort of 10, 15 knots plus is really good trout weather for us. So we go out and use our electric motors and power poles and you can sort of fish in, fish in any conditions. And the, um, oh no, the calmer days you can go and you can sort of see the fish sort of following your lure all the way back to the boat. Probably not as interested, interested as they should be. But then, yeah, generally on the, the really windy sort of rugged days, they sort of feed with reckless abandon sometimes if you can get the conditions right so that can equal some really good fishing so in perspective you're going to be fishing i'm guessing the banks that the water's crashing on so you're fishing on the onshore banks not the offshore banks of that specific area yeah correct, yeah, correct mate, for sure um you've also you do love your your salt water fishing we all know how much you love getting a feed uh, to fill the freezer of fresh flakes, snapper, uh, whatever it is from the ocean. Apollo Bay is an area that you do like to fish a hell of a lot, and it fishes yep. very, very well, especially through winter. It fishes great, but then coming into this time of the year, as the water kicks into gear a little bit more, everything gets a bit more active. 
Where, yep. What are we going to be looking for? Where are we going to be fishing and what times? Uh, look, at the moment, really good time to get down there. Actually, a really good friend of mine, Daniel Kent, just sort of jumped in and taken over a new fishing charter business down there. So, which if you do, want to go and have a look at the area. What's, what's really the fishing charter called? Uh, Apollo Bay Fishing Charters. Yep. Um, Kent, he sort of lived down there all his life, and he's he's actually an amazing fisherman, knows the place by the back of your hand. So if you really want to get a, a good idea on what the place is like, I'll probably book in for a day with him. But coming into the summer months, you got very prolific sort of flathead fishing out the front. Um, get on the sandbank, 25 to 35 metres, pretty much from Skeens Creek right through to, to Blanket Bay. Which is pretty much, you'd probably agree, would it be, if not the tastiest fish in the sea? I'm calling it. Oh, 100%, mate. Look, they, they don't cost 60 bucks a kilo for nothing. They're <laughs> absolutely delicious. So, yeah, and they're, and they're very easy to catch, too. You sort of get out. Once you find one or two, you're generally in for a good little fishing session. So. And then uh, I suppose once you, if you're looking a bit further, you want to go and chase your, your snapper and gummy sharks, you head down from anywhere from sort of Blank, Blanket Bay down to Cape Otway. Fishing depths from 30 to 65 metres, depending on the conditions. And look, it's just a matter of standing around jumping off the hard reef onto the rubble and either drifting or anchoring, whatever suits you. And, yeah, if you can get the conditions right and the tide's not running too hard, you can get some really nice fish down there too at the moment. Now, it's funny, I'm going to sort of uh, explain it a little bit. Um, I always, or you, I should probably let you explain it. You're, I don't like moons, and you were a bit in shock when I told you how much I hated moons. And then we had a discussion. I learned out the hard way from... Uh, from you telling me basically don't fish you, uh, don't fish off the moons, fish on the moons. Tied around the Otway when you're anchoring is basically unfishable when you're off the moons, let's be honest. Correct. That's right. Yeah, it certainly pumps down there. Well, guys do fish it, but I've known people to use up to 30, 40 ounces of lead, which is probably not an enjoyable way to go fishing, I wouldn't have thought. No. In the upcoming months, I know how much you do your brim fishing. Uh, fish, uh, brim fishing uh, you do get right around the whole state and you do have very good success with the competitions and the likes. Is there any signs of that starting to open or anything on that front where you're going to be chasing brim or where even where should you chase brim if not? Oh, look, with the, the tournament side of things, I think the guys are really waiting on um, restrictions to ease before we can obviously include everyone in that and be able to obviously increase the gathering sizes and whatnot. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, coming into the warmer months, you got fish that are right now. The brim should be flat out in spawn mode, so they'll probably a little bit hot and cold with the way they'll sort of feed at the moment. But given another three to four weeks as they come out into the warmer weather, and really things will really start to fire up. You get fish on the surface, fish from anywhere from half a meter out to two meters, and they'll be pretty well spread through now. So probably the best three or four months of the year coming up fishing wise. Well, there you have it. Everything from the southwest. Dan Mackerel, Frogley's Pro Angler. Thank you for joining us on the show. That was All Aboard for Dometic. Now it's time for Reg Review for Auto One, stocked with the biggest brands and best advice. And Patrick, I'm passing the Reds Review over to you today. And we spoke off the top of the show regarding surf fishing and that monster mako shark that was landed off the beach, which was well over 100 kilo. And something that with technology that has changed surf fishing for the greater and for the best, drone fishing, Pat. So take us through uh, your, your your methods of drone fishing and the styles of drones that you'd use. Well, the drone that I've got is a DJI uh, Phantom and you can buy um, the, the clip-on um, basically fishing packs for drones. What I would actually, if I could buy one straight off the shelf, I'd go the Splash Drone 3 Plus, um, which is about just under two and a half grand now it's specifically designed for fishing and it's actually um they're waterproof so you can actually land it and then bring it back up so that's the difference between if i 
land my DJI 4, the thing's screwed. So whilst it's a great drone, it's not specifically designed for fishing. Whereas the, the Splash Drone 3 um, is actually specifically designed for fishing. It's waterproof. It's still got all the other features that DJI and all the other good brands have, the GPS fixing, um, but it's specifically designed for fishing. So it's got your um, the latch, which is where you, you attach a line. Um, it's still got... Um, your 2.7K gimbal camera. Well, that's what um, I was about to ask you. Are you running cameras when you're dropping drone baits and the likes? Yeah, absolutely. So it's still got the, the same same camera. It's probably not quite as good a camera as what you get on your DJI, which is the most common drone brand out there. Um, but it's the most important thing is obviously the payload release mechanism, which um, is the mechanism that you attach your line to, basically. Um, and it's well set up to actually deal with heavier weights um, than probably what mine is because I bought it as a third party accessory you know this is specifically designed for fishing there you go drones who knew whoever would ever think flying something out to catch fish off the beach sharks and the likes pretty bloody awesome that was Red's review for Auto One if you really love cars Auto One's the one for big brands and great advice you're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years. Welcome back to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years. It's time for Red's Tip. Redman, this week we're talking about cavitation. For those new to boating or just bought their first boat it can be something that you need to get used to with how you drive a boat it's not like driving a car you can't just turn the wheel as fast as you possibly can um, at anything sort of above sort of 15 knots and expect there not to be cavitation but you can um, you can be helped or it can be helped um, with choosing the right prop size yeah, you're spot on. And cavitation refers to a pocket or a cavity of air forming on the backside of your propeller. So it's where air is getting caught into it, hence a sharp turn throws air, blah, blah, blah. So cavitation... And that's when you'll get that over-revving, that... Well, yeah, that's because that... the, the prop all of a sudden spinning a lot quicker because it doesn't have the water that's actually pushing against it. Which Mercury have now bought out the new thing we spoke about. I forget the name of it. They've bought it out now where it actually stops that now, Pat. It actually... What it does, it actually holds its revs in a turn, which is pretty cool. Can't wait to get this engine. Speaking of can't wait to get the engine and cavitating and props, I'm in the method of the, oh, in the moment now about to go through different props for my boat and I know you're going to do the same if you can't do it I'll be doing it for you with the Mercury guys but basically because I reckon I'll be using your boat before you do if you if you boys kick straight this week but basically <laughs> he's hoping <laughs> cavitation it's really important to get your props right now there's so many different methods and ways and things to do simple thing these days is Mercury plug the computer into the back of the little smart smart screen there and they run their props they do their tests they do their things but also it comes down to your own feel and what you want also you can have an engine uh, sorry a propeller on an engine that grabs a lot of water that gives you massive throw out of the hole which is what i want or you can go a different pitch prop which which in my case i reckon i'm going to be around a seven inch prop um 
I reckon that that's going to suit the boat perfectly, and I'm going to have nice throwout speed. I might lose a little bit of top end speed, but I don't want that top end. I'm not too. I don't want to go. I do want going fast at times, but I'd rather be able to get myself out of a situation, and I don't want that prop cavitating when I go full throttle and not grabbing the water enough and spinning, grabbing and throwing me out of the hole if I'm crossing the rip. So when you are getting the engine refitted, resized, whatever you're doing, make sure you speak to the professionals, your marine dealer. Get that cavitation sorted as soon as you possibly can. Understand your trim. Trim can cause cavitation too. If you have it up too high, too low, it's not getting the right angle. There's so many different things, but you can hear it. I know it sounds dumb now through through the headset here, but you can hear cavitation very easily. You can feel it. And also porpoising too. If your engine's not at the right height, your boat can porpoise and slap around, which also causes you havoc too. So getting your boat propped really, really well, uh, whether it's a four-blader or a three-blader, as well as um, counter-rotating or your boat, Pat, you'll probably have counter-rotating props which throw in towards each other. So just get it done properly from your marine specialist and you're going to save yourself a lot of fuel on the water where your engine's not revving out, but also a much nicer ride and also, like I said before, safety too, getting yourself out of a crap situation if you really need to. That is Red's tip with all things cavitation. It's time for the flying gaff. I'm a little nervous. We may not be back here, but the gaff this weekend is heading Dan Andrews' way. Take it away, Aaron. Yes. Is it... You know what? I was going to say, is it Dan Andrews? No, it is him because he's the boss. He's the premier. Whatever the rules are in plays and your lockdowns and the stuff, whatever, I'm, it is what it is. But I'm talking the real stupid stuff, like the real, real stupid stuff. You can go fishing, but you can't go more than five kilometres from your house. COVID, does it exist more than 5Ks from your house in the water? I think it's safer on the water if you ask me. So take that stupid rule out. If you are in 5 kilometres of a boat ramp, that's the rule. You can go wherever you want. Don't go gallivanting stupidly down to Queensleaf Harbour and get fish and chips, but you can head out in the snapper at 5Ks or 6Ks wherever you need to. Be, we'll, we'll respect the rules. I know Melbournians will respect these rules. Thank you for listening to Real Adventures this morning. Um, for anyone that is interested in hosting the show with me ongoing, Aaron will probably be black bag this week. Uh, I'm running for Premier, yeah. actually, and it's the uh, He'll be captured. Society. He'll be captured. Anyway, we hope you've been enjoying the show. Uh, There's plenty more Real Adventures. Uh, You can access our app at any stage to stream all the podcasts. You've been listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodridge, celebrating 150 years. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.